Hello and welcome to Plot Trist. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Do You Want to Start a Scandal by Tessa Dare. So this was published in 2016 and is number five in the Spindle Cove series. And it's number four in the Castles Ever After series. Oh! Yeah, so it's like it's like a combo. It's cute. Very cute. <laughs> so the summary. On the night of the Parkhurst Ball, someone had a scandalous tryst in the library. Was it Lord Canby with the maid on the divan? Or Miss Fairchild with a rake against the wall? Perhaps the butler did it. All Charlotte Highwood knows is this. It wasn't her. But rumors to the contrary are buzzing. Unless she can discover the lover's true identity, she'll be forced to marry Piers Brandon, Lord Granville, the coldest, most arrogantly handsome gentleman she's ever had the misfortune to embrace. When it comes to emotion, the man hasn't got a clue. But as they set about finding the mystery lovers, Piers reveals a few secrets of his own. The oh-so-proper Marquis can kick locks, land punches, knees with sly wit and melt a woman's knees with a single kiss the only thing he guards more fiercely than charlotte's safety is the truth about his dark past their passion is intense the danger is real soon charlotte's feeling torn will she risk all to prove her innocence or surrender it to a man who's sworn to never love I mean, I mean, yeah, like, what can I say? Tessa Dare writes some really good um, back cover copy. Honest to God, who does hers? Because they are fantastic. I don't know. They're real good. They're really good. Um, the only thing I would say is there's a split infinitive in the end, but other than that, we're good. <laughs> and I will say this. We're going to go a little late light on the tropes in this episode because a lot of them are covered in the jacket. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you I really need to know that um, he's he he doesn't know how to love. I mean, we literally have the line when it comes to emotion. The man hasn't got a clue. Well, and not only that, but there's from the end of the previous book in the series, you know what his conflict is. Basically, he's a man who always has had to put the job first and he doesn't want to love because then he becomes worse at his job. It's it's all pretty cut and dry. So I tried to highlight specifically tropes that weren't in the jacket. But before we get to tropes, uh, we have our random number summaries. This week, the I, random number is one. This is the first time this has happened. Thank God, because it's hard. It is really hard. Um, so, I mean, you want me to start? My one word is gotcha. <laughs> and mine is fire. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? These are both important parts <laughs> of the text. So, I would like to point out that mine could stand for two different things, which is um, actually three different things. Uh, because they're investigating two different things, which are little gotchas at the end. But then, of course, they fall in love. So, gotcha. I gotcha. Mine could represent two things, the smoldering passion between them. And it can also be taken literally. The literal fire. <laughs> That's literally set. Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, lots of tropes. You've got a marriage-minded matchmaking mama. 
who does get a little bit more depth in this book. So this is this is um, Charlotte Highwood, and you may remember this mother from Beauty and the Blacksmith and A Week to Be Wicked. Um, and actually, uh, Night to Surrender as well, because she shows up there. Mm-hmm. Not as the mother, but she is a character. Uh, and in none of those books did she get any character development. Here she does get some. Yeah, so it's not quite subverted, but it's very much... Once again, doing what Tessa Dare does so well, and I call it out every time, acknowledging the lack of financial independence and means of self-support that women have. And so a lot of times what looks as to be cold-blooded marriage hunting is actually the only way that mothers knew to secure their children's future. Yeah. So this entire book takes place at a house party. I love this trope, and it's done very well here. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it a lot. It reminded me a little bit of um, Secrets of a Summer Night. Yep. Uh, which, again, is a, also a great house party book. This one is really fun because the first chapter happens the first night mm-hmm. of the house party. And yes. the last chapter, minus the epilogue, is the last night of the house party. So I thought yeah. that was a really fun device. It was great. It was really good. Because a lot of times you get the house party, they've got to prepare for the house party, or they get invited to the house party, blah, blah, blah. Nope, this one, the whole thing at the house party is great. It also lent... So this book is about an investigation. So there, there's, there are dual investigations going on. And it lends itself to that in in the whole um like agatha christie english manor murder mystery kind of way absolutely so i loved it there there is some hurt comfort in this text there is indeed so there are a few accidents that befall charlotte and luckily piers has the technical skills and knowledge to assist her through those dark times yes yep um they're caught in a compromising position they have to get married and that's the conflict that's alluded to in the book jacket right Mm -hmm. they get caught and they're caught because this is hilarious and it's the first chapter so i'm gonna spoil it yeah do it they're just talking and she's specifically gone to say to him my mom is gonna try to shack us up I don't want any part of it. So sorry. You want, we probably want to avoid me. And while they're having that conversation, some lovers spill into the room they're in and they have to listen to them have sex while they're hiding behind a curtain. It's so funny. The guests catch them in trying to leave the room and people heard what was going on in there. So the natural assumption is that the people having sex in the, the library, which by the way, the library study were them. So it's hilarious. It's a fun conflict, but she's like, okay, I have to find the real lover, so I'm not forced to marry you. Meanwhile, Piers is there for another purpose, and it makes it easier for him to just propose and move on. Mm-hmm. Yep. It does. Um, or at least that's what he thinks. That's what he thinks. So H- Lane has called this Chekhov's bookmark. Basically, there's a a significant bookmark. And I mean, you know, from the moment it's mentioned, you know, something's going to happen to it. 
I wanted to write Chekhov's gun, and then I was like, nah, it's going to be more explicit. Just do it. And there are several instances of entering and exiting a bedroom through a window via a tree. Yes, um, by several different people, too. So, Which, one of my favorites. I was going to say we love it. How about the book? Did you love the book? I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So we talked about at the end of, oh, God, what was the first one in the series? Uh, say Yes to the Marquis. Thank you. We talked about in Say Yes to the Marquis how Piers is everything I have ever wanted in a romance hero. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, peer, parliamentarian, diplomat, spy is only topped by archaeologist. So, <laughs> I was really here for the honorable guy who'd been off doing his duty for England coming back. And I was like, I want to read this book. And I liked a lot of it, but mm-hmm. honestly, not just the typical Tessa Dare crazy ending, the ending in their relationship crossed the line for me in a way that really took the wind out of my sails. I think Lane thought that Piers was the perfect man for her. And then he yeah. developed some some traits that, that meant he wasn't. I don't know that he developed the traits. I might have felt better about it if I felt like he developed the traits. <laughs> okay. It felt really out of left field. Oh, did you think? I don't know. I didn't. I found it not that weird. Okay. I don't know what to say other than I really don't want to spoil this because it's worth reading, but I don't know what to say other than the crimes, Meg. The crimes. Um, (laughs) Okay. So for me, I felt pretty much the same way, which is that I really wanted to love this book, but it, it felt a little, it fell a little short for me. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think about it, like, why? Why did it fall short? I think there are a couple of reasons. I think first, it's because a lot of people identify this as their favorite Tessa Dare ever. Really? So I, uh-huh. And so I was, like, ready for it, you know? Like, don't get me wrong. I liked this, and I still love Tessa Dare, but... In spite of Piers being on paper the perfect man, I can think of several I like more. Yeah, oh, me Even too. from within this series. Zuz. Yeah. Zuz. Yeah. <laughs> Even from, yeah, all the series, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think for me it really all came down to the, the conflict. And the conflict in this book was I'm closed, he, I'm a man and I'm closed off. And then what does the woman have to do? She just has to give her all and love him. And that will solve all of their issues, apparently. There was also a really huge age gap with her being significantly younger than him. And I will say that I didn't, the text didn't harp on it in a way that upset me. But I do think it sort of handicapped the book from the beginning because seasoned diplomat who is my everything should not be falling for like a 20 year old. That's the other issue, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it is very much opposites attract in that mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's the young, cheerful one. He's the older, grumpy, cynical one. Um, I get it, but I also was like, yeah, it felt it fell just a little flat. Yep. Also, Charlotte's a really shitty friend, and in a way that I actually thought made her a more complex character. Yeah. But. I didn't like not just the way she treated her best friend, but the way that her internal monologue talked about her best friend Mm -hmm. was very pitying. Yeah. 
Like, I don't think Charlotte came off as super nice. <laughs> no. Well, and she was supposed to. Like, Pierce kept thinking, oh, she's just so nice and so wonderful. And the way she treated her friend Delia, is her friend Delia? Yeah. Anyway. So the yeah. way she the way she treated Delia was kind of And I mean, one of the things, too, is it, to me, I'm like, well, obviously, she's not your best friend. Because if it's my best friend, I'm going to tell them everything that's going on. I'm not going to hide that from them. There was no reason to keep it a secret. Like, no. it's not like in the text it was justified. I, You'd think she'd want an ally in trying to prevent this marriage. Exactly. But instead, it, it served to alienate her friend. Um, and it, I was like, no wonder she and Piers ended up together. If she really didn't want to end up with him, she would have told her friend. They would have figured out a way to get over it. Well, not only that, but the way that it, the conflict between them was resolved was really unsatisfying. And one of the, between D, uh, Delia and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I think Tessa Dare is usually better at complex, rich exterior lives, even in yeah. limited circumstances. Like usually I really buy her female friendships. Yeah. And so in this case to have it be so clearly an afterthought was like disappointing. It was. Um, all right. I think that we got, the things that disappointed us out of the way, though. So we can talk about everything that we really... I mean, it's still a Tessa Dare, so we loved a lot. Yeah. Um, So like we said, they have two different investigations going on. So Charlotte is out there trying to discover who the mystery... And this is funny, too. So she calls in the mystery lovers, and he's like, that was not... They were not making love. They were (laughs) tupping. So he calls them the mystery tuppers. (laughs) It's a really fun back and forth, the number of times they have this disagreement. He, um, as we've mentioned, is an agent of the Crown, and he's actually investigating the host of the party that they're at for a potential position. Yes. And so basically there's something that's kind of a red flag in this guy's file, and he's there to figure out whether that's an actual problem or not. Yeah. Um, Can I also point out, so one of the things that I really liked, one of the things that Tessa Dare does really well, too, is, like, weave things throughout her text. Yes. Um, so they have an argument between, were they making love? Were they tupping? Are they lovers? Are they tuppers? Whatever. So then once Charlotte and Piers' relationship gets physical, like, yes, they make love. It's really wonderful. But then they they also have some pretty wild sex. And afterwards, he was like, I told you I would teach you what tupping was. And I thought, well, there you go, Piers. Like, you kind of answer, answered your own question there about the making love versus tupping. You know, they yep. could be lovers as well as tuppers. <laughs> yup. So um, I, I liked it a lot, actually. What did you think about the little boy yelling murder all the time? I mean, it was funny. Basically, um, the child of the host of the house party has overheard every time the Tuppers have been at it. Yeah. But because, obviously, a child doesn't know what he's hearing, he assumes that the people he's caught, so in this case, Piers and Charlotte, were um, trying to kill... <laughs> that, that Piers was trying to kill Charlotte. So every time he sees her, he tries to attack him and yells, murderer. I thought it was a little bit over the top, but, like, ultimately funny. It's playing. Do you just yeah. realize that we just talked about the Duke I tempted? What? Remember, Poppy? She overhears her nurse having sex and she thinks she's murdered? Yes. 
but it's she but she believes her nurse was murdered she doesn't recontextualize it as an adult it becomes a point of trauma not a funny joke i know but i'm just saying okay apparently this is becoming a trope (laughs) well so piers is like a master spy as we've discussed He's, like, really good at his job, and he prides himself on the emotional distance he keeps from people, that nothing is ever of a higher priority to him. And, obviously, being a spy, he's really good at deceiving people. Mm-hmm. And this really lays on the, you can't hide from your true love. Like, your true love will see everything. So, yeah, it's set up in the text that Charlotte is really clever and kind of good at investigating on her, in her own right. But, really, like, Piers is having, like, a crisis over, oh, no, have I lost my touch? And the end result is just, no, you just can't lie to your true love. And I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved the degree to which she was kind of equal parts humored and legitimized in her belief she could assist him with his spy games. Yes. And I liked the way that they talked about it. And I even liked his trophy crisis of career. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I liked, I I did like, so I, I know that I just said it was opposites tracked. But I think that Dare did a good job. She does a good job of showing what they have in common as well. Yes, it was it was a really, really fun setup. So were you offended by anything? I mean, okay, so first of all, it's Tessa Dare, so not really. But this is the furthest she's ever gone, I feel like, to a truly controlling hero. And a real a true alpha. Not just, I mean, he's kind of a dilettante, so I don't even know that he's a true alpha. But, like, the lengths he goes to to control her yeah. is really upsetting. And, like, yes, you could say it's called out in the text, but, like, not in a way that makes it any better. Like, it did kind of ruin Piers for me, so. I was going to say, she calls it out, so that, that means it's okay, right? She acknowledged it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, she, but she, she, does, she does call it out. I think it does. I am going to be honest. I do think it makes it slightly better in that Charlotte herself is thinking, God, I wish I had someone to sort of take control of my life. And then Piers does it. So I do. I do think that it's better than a book where a woman the whole time is saying, I am independent. I can be on my own. And then he takes control. And then she's like, oh, this is actually great. I'm going to let this happen. So I think it's better in that sense. Do yeah. I personally love it? No, I don't. But I, <laughs> I, I, I am going to defend her in that I do think that it, the fact that it was contextualized slightly does help it a little bit. I, I'm totally putting this out there as a thing I did not like, not a thing that I think is universally offensive. Sure. Okay. Uh, sexiness. Yes. <laughs> this book is very sexy. I mean, the first chapter is them pressed up against each other, trying not to be voyeurs, but inevitably being voyeurs. It, mm-hmm. It's pretty hot right from the start. And talk about a book about people who want to be avoiding each other and just can't. Like, her whole goal is not to marry this guy, and yet she keeps ending up in, like, dark quarters making out with him. Yeah. Also, this book does a great job at the buildup. Uh-huh. It is not necessarily the most sex scenes I've ever read in a Tessa Dare book, but it is a high number of sexy scenes. There are a lot, yes, there are a lot of sexy scenes. There, there are a lot of 
scenes where he will talk to her about sex. Yes. And we've talked about several books where this is, it's not sexier than the sex scenes, but it is very sexy. And it helps make the sex scenes sexier yes. that you've gotten all this buildup and tension. Exactly. Exactly. Tessa Dare is equally good at the tension and the release of tension, which I feel like is a rare gift, and I appreciate it every time I encounter it with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Tessa Dare does a very good job with that. Um, so in general, I mean, this is a Tessa Dare, so of course we recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I feel like, I, uh, look, when you give me a gentleman spy, I am ready to make it number one all time on my list. So I think I am unfairly critical of this one because of the wasted potential to pander to me specifically. Lane was just disappointed at at the failure of this book to live up to her personal taste. Yes. I mean, I think I went on a five-minute rant about peers preemptively in Do You uh, Say Yes to the Marquis. You did. At the end, you're like, um, actually, uh, drop Rafe. I want tears. And I was like, I think Rafe is a nice guy. And you're like, no. (laughs) I just, I have my preferences. And I think at the end of this, I might actually have preferred Rafe. And that's just, that's tough for me. It is. It's really hard when your own desire betrays me. Betrays you. That would, that's exactly the word I was looking for. betrays so yeah thank you guys so much for listening i totally recommend it please don't take my disappointment as evidence of a lack of quality (laughs) we will talk to you next time